My name is Diallo, and this is who I am. My guest today is Diallo Jackson, the writer and creator of The Paranormals and Angela Dark. Diallo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Kind of. Digitally. <laughs> yeah, digitally. <laughs> so how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah. I've just been busy, you know, with a lot of uh, life happening and projects and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Swimming around. Keeping myself busy. Right. What are you working on at the moment? Um, I have a few um, uh, creative projects that are working um i have you know, i know you've probably seen my a lot of my angela in the dark stuff mm-hmm. uh, which is my comic book with russell mm-hmm. um and, and uh i also have a um a young adult fantasy novel that, that i've been um working on uh so those are the my primary two projects that i have at the at the front of the burner at the moment mm-hmm. and you worked with russell before right yeah, re- work with Russell on our previous comic book called The Paranormals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we managed to get out two issues. Um, it's a supernatural horror uh, detective noir story, uh, um, and um, uh, we had you know we had a varying degree of success with it. Um, and then you know we've always kept in touch over the years since that, and then this new project came up. So mm-hmm. we're steam ahead on this one. So what, um, what made you want to do comic books? Um, it's funny. I, uh, I mean, you know, I've just, I've always been into comic books. So, um, it's sort of like a natural progression, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, a, when I was a little kid, I used to, uh, you know, I used to draw, a lot. It's it's actually kind of funny for me now because, you know, when I was growing up, people knew me as the artist, and now they kind of know me as the writer. Um, but I used to like write and draw my own characters and stories and comic books and you know just like hand hand drawn and mm-hmm. um, and it just uh, you know it's that like I just I just like it just love it. So um, as I got older, I you know and I. They do a lot of writing, but, you know, I, something always kept me wanting to come back to doing comic books. Um, there was, there's a little bit of like, um, that, you know, especially when I was thinking about doing it, there was, uh, there wasn't as much like respect for it at the time mm-hmm. as there is now, like, especially in the last like seven or eight years, whenever, uh, you know, the Marvel movies have really taken off. Um, but I, yeah, I just, um, there's just something inherently that I love about the medium. So I just started kind of, you know, producing my own and seeing what happens with them. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up in Southern California? Uh, I actually grew up in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Northern California, born and raised. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and you said that there was like this, this period where comic books were kind of seen as, um, they weren't as respected and what was it that that drew you to them back then you know i don't i i've actually thought about this i don't i don't really know i i actually remember the first few times like one of the first times i remember seeing comic book characters i was um i i don't i was in the car with my grandparents we were going somewhere they were taking us on a road trip somewhere and i remember my cousin was sitting next to me and there was a folder or notebook or something, and it had, you know, the Marvel characters on the cover. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know what it was. I just remember just st- like just staring at it, <laughs> you know. I remember it was like the Thing and the Hulk and Iron Man and Spider-Man and just, just like something just drew me in. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know, that's a very distinct memory for me. But, you know, um, all the cartoons and stuff when I was growing up I just kind of gravitated towards that stuff that kind of captivated my my imagination right and just kind of stayed with me 
What kind of period was this? Was this in the eighties or nineties or? Uh, I'm a little. I'm always. I always tell people I'm a little older than I look. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to presume so, anything. Yeah, this is actually in the seventies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So we're about yeah. the same age, I think. And yeah, yeah. One of my favorite. Uh, actual memories is it's actually now we're talking about like the, the marvel movies like you know i you know grew up in the 70s so and i remember just like there's always this this wanting to see the uh, realization of the comic book characters and on screen and it didn't really happen until like the very late 90s like mm-hmm. in a consistent way but i just i remember one of my favorite shows was as a little kid was a Shazam with Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. And he, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, that was that, that was like, that was my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, it just, you know, that's, that's what life is, has been just like always loving those characters and, um, kind of what their stories and seeing where they go and, uh-huh. and that stuff. Were you a big reader at that age, uh, back back then anyway? And and comics came into it, or was comics your way into reading? Do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I as far as being a reader in general, yeah, I just I like I was always reading something. Um, just it, you know, I I I'd, I'd spend a like equal amount of time I think on books and on uh, comic books mm-hmm. as well. I mean, I would read. I would read everything, like even like dry stuff, like encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember my, again, my grandmother had a set of like world encyclopedias, and I used to remember loving to go over to her house because like she had everything from A to Z. Yeah, and I would just <laughs> I would just pull them out and read and like just learn about stuff. So mm-hmm. I've always always loved to read. And um, growing up in San Francisco, then were you ever? Did you ever? Uh, experience like the underground scene with with comics or was that was that gone by that stage that was gone by the stage I was in I was kind of um I was I mean I was too young to experience any of that by the time I was you know I kind of came up in the in the 80s and I you know I still was you know I was a kid so Mm -hmm. running around doing kid stuff and I wasn't really I I didn't learn about that stuff until until like the late nineties <laughs> with all of the, uh, the, the sort of a counterculture, um, comic books that was at EC comics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, that was a little bit, uh, before my time. Right. Um, do you yeah. remember the moment when, cause I, I've, I've spoken to a few, um, comic book writers here and, and uh. A lot of them say, you know, they used to draw their own things and they used to create their own comics. And do you remember the moment where you you thought to yourself, I I shouldn't be drawing, I should be doing writing? Or yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there was a there was this uh, story that I had, um, you know, had drawn like in my notebooks and stuff for for years, and then I one day I decided I was going to sit down and and like do my own comic book and i just you know i did like a couple pages and i was like oh this is this is kind of tedious <laughs> <laughs> and um you know like it, it's it's funny for me because you know then i that was the decision like i was able to kind of recognize that as much as i love the medium that my you know my level of um you know joy in that medium didn't necessarily lie in like drawing panel after panel. Yeah. Uh, and so, but like, I, you know, I, I, I get pages from Russell all the time and, and I'm just like, like always in awe of like how, like how, how can you draw this panel, like panel after panel <laughs> there and they're so, but they're so like genius and they're so creative. And I'm just like, well, I can, I can maybe crank out, um, a pinup if I'm inspired, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's a, there's a, like a mechanical aspect that needs to be, um, like the approach needs to be a kind of a functional thing rather than a, oh, an artistic yeah. thing at that, at that level? Or... Yeah, definitely. I actually had a friend, um, um, a, a very talented um, artist and animator, and she, she, you know, she was drawing some 
character designs for me for another project once and and I was sitting there as she was drawing them and I was like, well, you make it look so easy. And she's like, well, I trained a lot to make this look easy. <laughs> you know, it's like that's that's what it was. I just didn't put the time in. So yeah. that's on me. <laughs> so uh, with the, the paranormals, how did that come about? What, what was your thinking as to that? Was that the first book that you 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 printed? Um, that was actually that was the second book that I printed. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, but it was, um, it was. I, I mean, I really consider it the first like true comic book I did. The the first one I did was sort of like a preview concept, which actually evolved has evolved into the project that I'm doing now with uh-huh. Russell. Um, but yeah, the Paranormals was. Um, I think that's when I was, you know, I had done that other concept, and and I just wanted to, you know, I had this idea for a story, and. Um, had uh, two of my friends we sat down and um, kind of hammered out the whole world and stuff and then um, sat down to write it and um, eventually I reached out to I reached out to a few artists and then I found Russell and then just you know the rest is history <laughs> <laughs> how did you find him when when you say you reached out what were, what were the platforms that you used to contact um, I, I found him on digital webbing uh-huh. um, yeah, and that's uh, it's actually been really good for me in finding um, people because that's how I actually ended up finding um, the colorist who uh, Robert, who's amazing on um, Angela and the Dark. Um, so I mean, I've had a lot of luck on on that platform. Although, um, you know, I, I've looked at uh, um, Deviant Art and and other stuff. It's like, but I just for whatever reason, I've just had the best luck with uh, digital webbing. Right. Do you think that's, uh, do you still go there? Because that's, you know, when you put Paranormals out, I think that was 2011 or was it before? Yeah, it's about about 2011, 2010, yeah. Yeah, there was like a wave of um, a lot of indie um, creators were putting stuff out then. And I think it was like partly because there was a real boom in print-on-demand services and people could, could get the books done a lot quicker and easier. But it also felt yeah. like the community kind of expanded really quickly into um, connectivity. The connectivity of the, the community expanded really quickly, and um, it it feels like that moment kind of came and went. And it went in you know a few years after that. It seemed like a lot less books were coming out, a lot less independent books were coming out, and there was a lot less push for. There was like the indie comic book week thing that happened, and it felt like a lot of things shifted and, and um, a lot of the creators involved in that period either went on to work for um, big two publishers or they went to Image or they had their own things or, or I don't really hear about them anymore. Um, but do you, do you think that, that that still exists or do you think there's like a wave and there's another wave coming or do you think it, it kind of came and went? Yeah, I mean, I, I what you said. <laughs> like I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there definitely was that wave that of of um, um, an explosion. Like I said, the the print on demand. It was just like it was like the doors opened mm-hmm. um, for especially for people like me that and yourself who just you know we wanted to to be able to play on the same field as as all the big guys, but we just you know it the 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 amount of um, money that it took to 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 have that impact, um, where you know you weren't able to generate that as consistently. Yeah. So the print on demand um, has really hel- has helped kind of break down that barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but there still are <laughs> a lot of um, other things to consider uh, beyond that. Um, I mean, I think. You know, right. I actually think right now the interesting thing is the um, I mean, the next step for me was digital where yeah. I don't even have to necessarily think about the print aspect um, as my primary um, means of getting the book into the hands of people that, you know, would want to read it. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you do you have web comics or is it mainly through like um, third party things like Comixology that you put stuff out? Um, yeah, we had. Yeah, we had it on, um, gosh, I, when we did Paranormals, I can't even, this is bad, I actually can't even remember the platform, 
um, that was used for for the for the digital side. Right. Was um, it the one through Barnes and Noble? Or? No, it was. Um, gosh, I'd actually have to look it up. It's a it's defunct now because it, it you know they went out of business or sold it or something. But we uh-huh. yeah. Um, um, uh, we submitted through them and then it went to out to different platforms. So primarily we, we had a lot of traction on, um, iTunes, mm-hmm. um, through that. Um, and so a lot of, like a lot of people found our book there. It was, I remember, um, like we were in the top, I think the top 20 for the first few months that the book was released there. Mm-hmm. And then, and then over the course of like two or three years um, until the uh, um, until the company went down, mm-hmm. um, we were always in the top like 100 or 200 like downloaded comic books. Every I, I would check in and it still was it was always up there. Right. Oh. Um, but this was the free version that they were downloading, which was the, is, is another <laughs> lesson I had to learn. <laughs> but people were still finding it so that was the, that was the good part yeah and with uh with russell what do you think connected with you and him because he's in england and um, yeah so um because the, the the paranormals is actually set in scotland right it's in yeah it's set in edinburgh yeah, yeah. um did you feel like you needed an english or a, a, a i should say british i guess <laughs> british creator <laughs> um not really i think it just he just like that was a happy accident i think Uh that he lived there he just it literally it was about the art um i saw like when i got his submission Mm -hmm. that it just stood out against everything else that i had gotten everything else was a little bit more um traditional and his just this energy and um, different approach, um, and it fit especially the uh, vibe of the comic because it was this dark horror um, book. So, and you know his his style is very dark, um, heavily inked. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that definitely fit. But um, yeah, as far I mean, as far as what how we connect, I don't know. Russell's very like he's very easygoing mm-hmm. um, about stuff. Um, when we whenever we connect, um, it's uh, you know especially like a, with Angel in the dark I'm just like hey like you know I want to do this and then if he thinks that we shouldn't do it he'll tell me and then um, if not he just is like okay and then I'm kind of the same way right. like sometimes like you know we, there was a little thing last week where I we got a page in and I and I was like oh I think we need to make a couple changes here with the coloring and and I gave my reasons why and he said no, I don't think so because this, this, and this, and this, and I go, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need to fight that. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> like we just, uh, we just have that sort of like rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, uh, try, I try to be egoless about a lot of things. So, um, and I also, um, like, you know, he, I, I, I approach things like he is the, um, he's the one that has the eye for especially for art stuff. So I defer to him mm-hmm. if he really thinks that we should do something or not. So um, I only insist on a few, few things if I if, if there's like a story point that I really want to come across. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll fight for that. But other than that, I just kind of let him um, be the genius he is with, <laughs> with what he does, you know, so. Yeah. So yeah. With, your, with, with your writing, uh, style and scripting style is it very loose or do you did like as you said that he submitted some pages and um when you when you originally were getting the paranormals together did you have the full script and send that out to people or do you have a section that you wanted to test people on and um have, have, did you did you change yeah, I've changed since then. Um, when I f- when I actually had the script for Paranormals, and um, I was just getting, um, I think I was sending out, I was getting samples from people of their style, and mm-hmm. then um, and then I think I was getting some tests, some test pages and, and sketches and stuff from people, um, and then but I did you know. I mean, it's been a learning process because when I, you know, when I wrote the paranormals, actually kind of envisioned it as a, a TV pilot. Uh-huh. 
So I wrote it that way, and then I, and then I, I translated it into comic book format. Um, but there was there were just some things that I wasn't like kind of aware of that I needed to do. Like, couldn't be have so much dialogue. Right. Um, per you know, I'm not like, <laughs> like I'm not Brian Michael Bendis or anything, or I can just or Chris Claremont used to do that a lot, but I just I I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but that I think that having the amount of dialogue per uh, per uh, panel and leaving Russell to interpret those panels, um, you know, caused it like I mean, I, I'm proud of the book, but you know, I sometimes I think we like I could have done better. Yeah. Um, so when we did the next issue, I approached it differently, knowing how he like how Russell works. I kind of switched to more of like the the the, the quote unquote Marvel way. Uh-huh. Um, so I would just I'd have the outline for what I wanted to do. I'd say per page, this is what needs to happen. If there's a specific line of dialogue or something that specifically needs to happen in a panel. I will I'll say that there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, so let him interpret interpret the uh, interpret the piece, and then once he sends everything back to me, then I, I go through and I script it all um, with the you know actual dialogue pieces that you know that hadn't been conceived of when I initially sent it out. Yeah. So that's how that's how we work now. Um, Angelo Angelo the dark is a little different because again i had i had already produced a uh, preview um version of it and so he just for part of it he just reinterpreted um what was already done he like he did it completely differently but mm-hmm. we already had like a framework from which to to work from um, but, but i still ended up writing almost all new dialogue some of it just based on the time had time had passed or uh, just like he interpreted things differently than um, than it had originally been, and um, so I wanted to update update a lot of it. Right, and you said that it's uh, yeah. it was originally conceived as a TV pilot. Um, do you is that something that you still have interest in, or do you think that comics now are just such a it's such a package deal to think of them in terms of like these multi platform storytelling devices mm-hmm. that are going to eventually. You know, it, everything is written with an eye towards being filmed at some stage or being turned into something else. Or yeah, I mean, that's uh, you know, it's been a long journey from from A to B or A to <laughs> Z. Or, um, yeah, I think I, that's why I switched it to a comic book uh-huh. um, initially, uh, the Paranormals, because I, I you know I just thought. You know, if we had sort of a, a proof of concept, then it would be easier to shop around um, yeah. for uh, to, you know, kind of convince someone to make it into a feature or even a TV series mm-hmm. with um, with uh, Angela in the Dark. I had a little bit of a different um, take on that one because I, I like I like when I when I sit down with any project, I just kind of, they feel different to me. So I don't necessarily write for one medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the case of Angel in the Dark, I see it as more comic book animated series where, you know, whether, whatever um, platform that series is um, in, you know, depends. It could be like a Netflix thing or mm-hmm. um, anime, but I kind of, envision it as an anime story so we try to infuse it with that feel yeah um, but i never i don't really i never really sat down and thought of it as, as a feature film um so um you know the same thing like with the novel i'm writing i just i thought what this is a comic book is this a you know what is this <laughs> and i just like oh no it's a novel you know so i just kind of sit there as a novel and then i say like, oh this could be a great I think this would be a great uh, movie, um, but, but I don't necessarily see it as a comic book or a TV series. So, right. yeah. Hmm. With the with the initial ideas, when those come up, at what stage do you think you you think, oh, I'm going to do more with this? Is there is there like a, a moment? Is there a process for you to get the idea moving into a position where you want to turn it into something else, or do you? 
do you just uh, wait for the muse to hear and, and go? Yeah, I think the, I mean, the muse is pretty much always there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I, you know, I say, um, I mean, you know, I do a lot of um, endurance sports, triathlons and mm-hmm. running. So I'm like out alone, you know, sometimes hours on it, a bicycle, just with me and my thoughts. And that's, a, you know, that's a, actually a good place for a lot of um, story, like me to work out, mm-hmm. like what is going to happen, what elements are going to happen. And I sit down, I, you know, jot stuff down. I go a lot by intuition and feel. Um, mm-hmm. But then the rest of it is just a matter of I, you know, I have um, I actually have a board. Um, I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm sitting right in front of my desk and I, I just have I have all of my projects that I've thought of um, that are they're listed and they I just ranked them as where I'm at with them and what yeah. I'm doing with them and when I'm done with them I take well, done with one I take it off and then the next one kind of moves up in that scale uh-huh. uh, so that's basically how I approach it now um, you know and that that might change if you know um, depending on, on how much interest is um, um, outside interest is put on something that I'm working on I'll definitely move it up you know, because it needs to get done or, you know, I need to be more um, proactive about um, getting um, eyes on something while it's hot. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of how it happens at the moment. Uh, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens in the future though. Uh-huh. What's your, uh, what's your average day? Like uh, how much time do you spend um, actually sitting down and writing or working on this stuff? I- I try to um, I try to put in at least two hours, two to three hours a day. Uh-huh. Um, it's something I struggled with. I've struggled with for you know for a while trying to find just the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not like it's not the primary means of making my living right now. So I for for a few years actually it was after after paranormal's kind of faded away a little bit. Um, I, my writing went down and I, you know, I wasn't writing as much, but then I, I was like, well, you gotta, like, you have to do this stuff it's mm-hmm. like, or else you're, you're gonna, you're gonna go crazy. Um, so I, um, I started through a, an article that a friend sent me one day, um, about why is it hard for you to finish things. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized, <laughs> yeah, like I realized I was approaching my writing in, in, you know, not the way that I should actually get things done. Mm-hmm. So what I was doing before was I was, um, kind of, I go throughout my day, I do my workouts and then I work. And then by the end of the day, I would sit down to write. And that wasn't really working for me because by the end of the day, I had spent so much um, mental energy doing all of these other tasks that I didn't necessarily want to do. <laughs> <laughs> it made it that much more difficult to sit down to write, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I enjoy doing. But like, make no mistake, there is a work aspect. Yeah, uh, that takes a lot of you know, rigor and thought, and you know, I'm expending some kind of energy. So I just uh, I just switched it to what I was doing with my workouts, which is it's the very first thing in the morning that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get up, make coffee, I sit down at my table. I bought um, to kind of force me to do it. I bought an old 15 um, uh, inch green MacBook that I use specifically for writing, and it's, it's always open on my table to kind of encourage me to to always do it. Uh-huh. And you know, and from until about you know, I'll get up. I set my alarm for, this is going to sound insane, but I set my alarm at 4.20 every morning. Um, <laughs> and then I you know, try to be up by 4.30, but usually not till 5. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I, and I, you know, that's when I, I'll write until about 8. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then I go through the rest of my day. And then if I, you know, if I have the energy in the evening after, you know, everything else is done, then I'll, I'll try to get um, a little bit more um, writing in mm-hmm. uh, or finding is it's like my brain is more open to editing at the end of the day. Right. Um, and like, but the writing, you know, the creative aspect of the writing parts better in the morning. So uh-huh. do you try to, yeah. to set yourself a time that you're not going to do anything? Do you say to yourself, okay, I have to get everything done by 
X time, and then after that, I'm not going to open up the the MacBook, or I'm not going to sit down and write. No, I have a, I have a, I'm working on that part. I have a little problem with uh, <laughs> <laughs> with not shutting off ever. Uh, that's like a on a, on a per, that's a personal uh, hurdle I'm trying to I'm trying to work out right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm just like I'm always kind of on between like the writing and the workouts and, and, um, the work. Um, so, um, you know, I'm trying to get it so that the writing can actually take, you know, um, take a greater precedence so that I, I actually feel more comfortable doing what you said, mm-hmm. uh, closing the, uh, shutting, shutting down the, the book. So I don't feel like I just have to get this out now because I don't know, you know, I, that's the feeling I always kind of have. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, Alexander Hamilton, <laughs> right? <laughs> just keep writing because I, I just don't feel like I have like the, you know, I just I don't have enough time, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to trying to find ways to reclaim my time. Yeah. Are you um? Do you do you compartmentalize the what you're working on? Do you say okay on you know Monday and Tuesday I'm going to work on this project, Wednesday's this and. Or is it just what is percolating to the top on any given day? That's what you're going to work on. Yeah, what I I think what I'm doing now. I mean, we're I, I have so I have a a novel that I'm writing, but I don't have any attachment to it at all. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, like I because I don't know what it is. It's just a little exercise I'm doing with myself. So. I decided to write one page a day mm-hmm. and that's it. And like whatever comes out is what comes out. Yeah. Um, so I've actually, what I ended up doing was I, I didn't intend to do this, but I start off with that one page and I, I mean, I can crank that out in 10, 15 minutes if it's, especially if I don't care what, uh, <laughs> what, what happens in it. Yeah. Um, and that kind of gets things going for me. Um, but primarily like right now I'm, you know, I'm working, um, on, my the fantasy novel so i i i I go to that second um and then angela in the dark is the first issue is all done so i don't really have a any you know requirements uh, in regards to writing that one at the moment Mm -hmm. um but you know um you know as we move into our uh, second um issue i'll have to i and i imagine i'd probably shift that stuff to to doing it last because the the writing um is it's not less important but it's less intensive as as writing um you know prose uh, mm-hmm. or, and fiction so um i i probably can shut my brain off just a little bit more and put that put that last and you know the meat of it probably would be the the novel writing mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Mitch Gerrards, who's uh, the the artist on uh, Mr. Miracle at the moment. I think he posted on Twitter the other day something about how um, uh, you should work towards uh, smaller projects and build on those, and that idea of not doing that big one-off thing. And and um, you know, I I think there's a lot of truth in that, especially for for artists, because there is a there's a restriction in place for artists. There's a, a time consumption that is inherent in creating art that isn't necessarily there when you're writing. Um, and the tendency of writers is to go big and the artist is to go kind of smaller and smarter to get it done. Um, do, you, do you find that your ideas tend to be big or do you find yourself pulling them back a little bit and and trying to make things smaller or have you, have you changed anything as, as the paranormals and your experience with that made you want to change how you put things out or. Yeah, I am actually a firm believer in letting it be what it's going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like these things come to you and, and they're, um, inspired gifts and the only way to mess it up is by getting in its way, uh-huh. um, or just ignoring it and not letting it happen at all. Yeah. So when it does come to me, I, you know, I, 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 like I said, like 
the, the, a particular project might feel like this is going to be a big, um, uh, this might feel like a big movie script. So that's just how I would approach it. Uh-huh. Um, but then, like I said, this, the, the fantasy novel concept, I didn't necessarily, um, imagine it as a novel. Um, but then over time I was like, oh yeah, this is a novel. And then I sat down the plot, the entire um, book out Mm. and I wanted to keep it very, I wanted to actually keep it very light and, um, you know, uh, not too in depth. I didn't want it to be Lord of the Rings, but then as I sat down to write, that's what it was becoming. So I kept having this fight with myself to not have it be that. But I kept, <laughs> I kept feeling like when I was doing that, it wasn't being true to what this, whatever the story that needed to be told, it needed to be told. So, mm-hmm. um, so I ended, I ended up writing a lot and and realizing I have a lot more to write now. So, right. um, I'm going back in and adding a lot more. Um, so it just like I'm, and I'm probably not doing it the right way, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, you know, I've taken some classes and. And, and stuff where they, you know, they tell you to pick a genre and stick with it and stuff. And, and, um, and I just, I like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the business of deciding my own um, path, I guess. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, just like, I guess I'm just doing getting, getting to that, the, whatever point I want to get to. And it's just going to be the way that I, I, I see it, I guess. So, yeah. um, yeah, so, um, some of them, I wrote a, I wrote a, uh, one script that's just sort of like really light and quick, mm-hmm. um, uh, magical realism, kind of very indie uh, sensibility. But then, you know, then I did paranormals and, you know, kind of envisioned it um, a lot bigger and I have another project that I wrote years. And again, that just ended, I was like, oh, this is, this is like a Disney Pixar DreamWorks movie. So I kind of wrote it like that and, um, just, you know, I just let it be what it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it tells me and I just kind of I listen and try to be the best steward for the story, I guess, as I can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also, um, you know, there's an element of not letting people learn that, that I think comes from people putting restrictions on on mm-hmm. process and and technique. You know, there, there's it's it's OK to say you should stick to this. But at the same time, how will you not? know if that's the right thing you know if you don't try it and fail with it or succeed with it it's yeah yeah i just i don't think that there's any you know that there's any one right way for like you know, we can all approach something in a different way and still come up with with what we you know consider um worthwhile art mm-hmm. um, you just have to kind of do what works for you and then even when it comes to you you might have different process for different things that you do. So, um, like sometimes I, like, I, I don't always diagram. Um, I don't always make an outline, but sometimes it's, I have to do a solid one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other times I'm like, whatever, <laughs> you know? So it just kind of like, it just, I think I just, I go by feel sometimes and, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's just a matter of not, maybe I don't necessarily know what I want to say, um, about, about something. So I have to actually sit down and figure out the plot points. So, I, yeah. so I know what the story is so I can, you know, so I can inform what the characters do more, um, effectively because mm-hmm. that's really what this story is about. So, um, sometimes I'm just, I'm really sure other times I'm like, Oh, well, this is a good, this is a decent concept, but you know, let's, let's figure out what the story is. So, um, it just varies. Mm. Are you, do you think uh, fantasy is going through a, a, a period like comics did where it used to be? Because, you know, it's, it's if you grew up in a certain time, fantasy still kind of harks back to, like you said, there's the Tolkien and then, and then it became like in the 60s, it became very trippy and earthy and hippie-ish. And then, um, you know, there was Dungeons and Dragons and it became very much like a, a, the world of geeks and the domain of, of lonely white kids in the basement playing games and... Um, but it seems like it's it's opening up more and more now and a lot more people are, are trying different things in fantasy that, that maybe they weren't able to in the past. And it, Yeah. Think? Yeah, and no, I definitely, I, mean, I think that, I agree with it. I think 
um, the sort of the barrier, and it, this is the same thing for comic books. That was just the other day. I was looking at um, some video on YouTube, um, and some somebody posted um, a video from that old '70s Captain America TV mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. TV movie. You know, I was looking at it, and people were, you know, like making fun of it. But I, I was like, you know what, like, like God bless those people for not like letting those <laughs> the lack. <of. laughs> and I feel the same thing about when I watch like old school Doctor Who and old, mm -hmm. I've been kind of watching old old uh, the original Star Trek and just like these like these people didn't lack of like technology deny them the imagination part they just like you know god bless them they went for it and they did it yeah. um and but then you know i was looking at that captain america from then and kind of comparing it to now mm -hmm. and really the difference is is just the um you know the ability to to do to make some of those amazing effects um at at much less um effort or cost yeah um and you know comparatively so <laughs> You know, yeah, because I mean, I know it still costs a lot, but you know, imagine trying to do that in 1970. It just it would have it just been ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, so, anyways, like when I, so when I look at fantasy, I kind of I see and feel the same thing. Where I think it's it's come to the point where you're able to make these um, fantastic elements at you know a relatively lower cost, and you'll see a lot more of um the, those stories um uh, kind of being realized mm -hmm. um you know and like when i think fantasy too it's funny i never i was i sort of by default i was um into f um, some fantasy elements just because i was into sci-fi and comic books but that wasn't really my primary focus mm -hmm. um, but i do you know it's like one thing i look at is like um this book which when i was a kid i, I loved uh, like i loved to absolute death was um, uh, a wrinkle in time, uh -huh. and seeing stories like that actually, um, like seeing the light of day, to the points or to the level that they are. Because I know that they did um, TV movie in mm -hmm. the, I think sometime nineties, um, and again, it was one of those cases where they weren't able to actually fully realize the the fantasticness of it. Um, they're able to do that now, and you know, there's a there's a wealth of stories over you know over decades that you know haven't been um touched or tapped by hollywood just yet i'm sure i'm sure when it gets hot they'll they'll find it yeah. and so um but I, yeah i definitely think that that you know that that could be the next wave and as um you know as i mean uh what do you call it um uh game of thrones is mm -hmm. clearly like is the go-to for people that don't aren't even into fantasy and so it's i think that there's a there there's a market that's clearly starting to be tapped uh, i've seen um there's that i forget what the project is but uh lynn manuel from uh that wrote hamilton mm -hmm. got to write music for it and so there's all kinds of um that stuff kind of happening now so it's good to you know it's good to to see that uh kind of come into fruition yeah and it's more in, in there's more of an inclusion now as well, like with a, a wrinkle in time to have the protagonist of, of a story like that, where you have a, a young yeah. girl, a, a person of color that's, that's represented and you have things like, um, you know, Black Panther and the, 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 the feeling that's building for, for a movie like that that's coming out. It seems like even, you know, you look, you look back at the, the Marvel movies and, um, and the DC movies, I mean, going back to 89, I guess would be, like a benchmark and it was you know batman and superman and yeah. spider-man and the x-men and and it was all very you know i mean the x-men you have storm and you have um the whole idea of being persecuted and that whole um idea is is very prevalent in there but the it's still very much like the the white guy parade you know captain america the white guy parade and <laughs> And it's mm -hmm. it's it's very traditional, but now it seems like it's shifting, and it seems like it's getting more. You know, they are trying different things, and they are accepting different things more. Yeah, we. I mean, you know, it's one. Uh, you know, to toot, toot my own horn, I guess, with the uh, with Angela <laughs> with Angela in the dark. But you know, our, you know, our female protagonist. She's you know, she's a young twelve twelve year old um, black girl, 
mm-hmm. and uh, our cast is ethnically diverse. Um, the uh, the other four main um, protagonists are, are all women, um, and you know the 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 main cast of the of the of the concept of the characters that we created. Fifty percent of them are female. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, um, you know, it we have a, a, a group that represents something outside of what we normally see. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I, I'm kind of sort of proud of is also that it's like, it's original content too. It's not like, I, I again, I love comic books and, and I love, <laughs> I love all these white superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I grew, you know, I grew up my, my favorite, my favorite superheroes, uh, uh, the flash green lantern and, and Shazam. Those are mm-hmm. like my friends three favorites right yeah so i have no no problem you know with that but there (laughs) there's an element of um of it and i you know talking to other um black comic book fans and some creators it's like we you know there's there's this part of you that's just like oh well like they just they never they don't look like me yeah and there's that feeling of i don't know you just like there's it's that inherent kind of feeling like oh yeah it's cool and like you see a representation of some, especially someone heroic that looks like you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I and I didn't, you know, when I made Angela the character, she just popped like I wasn't thinking about anything. Like she literally popped into my head. Like and as you know, down the road, as as we meet more of mm-hmm. her and her personality, it makes sense that I think she exists in some alternative alternate reality and. She, and that she 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 spoke to me and with that same energy that she embodies uh, that I kind of write on that page and she's just kind of no nonsense. Hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? You know, mm-hmm. really fun. <laughs> but so I, I wasn't sitting down with an agenda. I wasn't trying to, you know, make any kind of statement. It's just, just everything just kind of organically came out the way that it that it, that it is. Yeah. Uh, but as I you know, as I've been especially showing my artwork to or the artwork that Russell's done to people and kind of telling about the concept, what I've really been finding, and this has been something that I've kind of intended a shift for myself and what I was producing and writing, which is I wanted to really give um, young girls um, positive um, uh, uh, heroines to look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the case of Angela, it's like someone that looks like her, yeah. uh, look, look, like, looks like me. But, um, you know, my other project ears, I have a main character in it and she happens to be Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've been finding is like parents that, you know, they, they see the project and then they're like, Oh, my, my young daughter might be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, um, I did a, as in Pasadena, um, Art Walk a year or so ago, and um, and I remember a couple of girls of color came up and I showed them the project and they were just like they're like, does she have katana swords? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, that's so cool, you know. So I I, I love, um, I think my goal is to generate the same like pure love and joy that I think I had when I would read these comic books when I was that when I was that young, mm-hmm. uh, but also to kind of give them a sort of a positive, um, representation of somebody that's not the typical, um, hero that we always see. Yeah. Hmm. That's fantastic. Um, so, uh, do you, do you, are you active on social media? Do you like being on social media? Is that something that you enjoy or? Is uh, you know, I mean, I'm uh, I'm definitely active on social <laughs> media. <laughs> I have a bad habit of uh, of uh, commenting on my friends' uh, Facebook comments and and making snide comments and jokes and remarks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I am. I'm on um, um, primarily. I have, have a, a, a author's page on Facebook, A Diallo Jackson. Um, and then on, um, Instagram, um, I am, um, at the Armageddon, uh, but the last E is a number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we also have our Angela in the dark, uh, Instagram page at, at Angela and the dark. Excellent. Well, Diallo, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to me and, um, 
Um, if there's anything that you want to send over and I'll put it in the show notes or anything that you'd like people to be looking at, then, uh, then I will include it. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Taking the time to Thanks. chat and we need to actually, we need to chat offline again. Yeah, that was fun. We went for, we met up for, was it sushi? Yeah. Yeah. Out, out, on, the, out on the side of the freeway that I very, I very rarely remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be great. All right. Thank you. Yeah. That's it for the show. We'll be back in two weeks. You can find us online at whoiampodcast.com and contact us by email at whoiam at gmail.com or by phone at 818-308-4066. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, there is a submissions form on the site. We're also on iTunes where you can leave a rating if you feel inclined. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jamie Gamble, and this was This Is Who I Am.